Welcome to the Key Exchanges in the 901 Podcast. It's the podcast where we share the real stories of the real estate community here in Memphis. These are the stories that help every key change hands, the stories that are shaping the real estate market in our city. I'm Dane Williams, your host for this podcast, and we are recording today's show from the Shoemaker Insurance Solutions Studios. And I am incredibly excited about today's show. Uh, they say that uh, you are some combination of the five people you spend the most time with, and it makes me glad to be logging some more time with our guest today. Um, this guy's just an absolute grinder. He is someone that I knew of as a name and a reputation for a little bit before I was able to meet him, and he has absolutely lived up to his reputation. It's one of those uh, successful people that could share every single thing he does in his business with all of his competition, and no one's going to steal from him because most people just aren't willing to work that hard. Um, so without further ado, I want to introduce Mr. Quindavius Q. Burdett. Uh, Q is originally from Senatobia, Mississippi, and uh, he's in his second year in real estate. Uh, in his first, he managed to become the number one agent in the state of Mississippi. So uh, that's a pretty good way to start, I suppose. Um, he is recently married to his beautiful wife, Emily, and is continuing to thrive in helping his clients buy or sell their home all over North Mississippi. It is my profound honor to welcome to the Key Exchanges podcast, Q Burdett. Welcome to the show, Q. Man, thank you for having me, man. No, Good I, morning to you. Yes, man. I'm excited to have you. Excited to um, have this conversation, too. I, I am yes. curious because I always like to start off and figure out, how did you get into real estate? It's a very strange uh, story. I tell it all the time. Man, I left college and I went to Atlanta and worked with KPMG. Um, That's a big four accounting firm. I was there maybe four months. As an accountant? As an accountant, yes. I have have a master's in accounting. How about that? um, That I don't use currently right (laughs) now, but I use it every day, you know, for my clients and my personal use, but not practicing as a CPA. But I was there in Atlanta four months and you know, we just started going over the billing report, and I started seeing a very, like, pattern. It was, it was they was charging, you know, anywhere from, you know, $600 an hour for the time that I was spending um, to clients. And when you break down the math, you're making $65,000 in a year where they're making a killing off you. So sure. I kind of started to think, hey, what professions can I make what I'm worth? So I went back to my desk after a meeting one day, and I Googled that and real estate popped up. I saw a video of a guy, he posted it and said, how to make 100,000 in your first year in real estate. I watched the video, man, and you know, I was like, well, if this guy here can do that, this guy that I'm watching, I mean, I can definitely do it. The very next day, I put a two week notice in at KPMG. How about that? Moved back to Mississippi, back to the Memphis area, got a real estate license, and man, things took off from there. Yeah, it's interesting because you talk about having a master's in accounting and the fact you're working at a big four firm. Yep. You don't immediately give off the vibe that people think of when they think of an accountant. You're just way more charismatic and than the stereotypical accountant that you think of. How did you even fall into that? It's just one of those things growing up uh, in high school, my chemistry teacher told me either I need to be an accountant or a lawyer. Because I used to love to argue back and forth my point of view in the classroom on why I thought a problem, my answer was correct versus the actual correct answer. And he was like, man, you'll do well as a lawyer because you make a great case and you'll do well as a CPA because you're really ready to defend, you know, what you stand behind. And that's what I left um, high school thinking, hey, be a lawyer or an accountant. And then what kind of tipped my, my hat is my mom, uh, she always wanted to be an accountant. My mom didn't go to college. 
Uh, but her dream was to one day be an accountant. So I was like, okay, my mom loves it. My teacher's telling me that I should be one of the two. So I'm going to pick this route just to make mom happy. Went to college, Ole Miss, right? I did. Proud yeah. Rebel. Competed in some athletics, I, I gather, down there. What, uh, what did yeah. you do in college? I played football and ran track okay. um, all four years there on a full scholarship. Uh, while also, uh, I tried to double major at one point in <laughs> mechanical engineering and accounting, but I kind of let the mechanical engineer go to focus on accounting. And I graduated with honors, you know, from Ole Miss and accounting. On top of competing in two different sports, you figured you would try to get two different majors that Man, are... And I always try to make it hard. I yeah. try to take the hard route every time. I don't know why. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is why no one else is going to want to do what he does. But uh, it's something his clients have certainly benefited from. Uh, what is your favorite part about being a realtor? Man, it's just really seeing a smile and, and, and helping folks, you know. Uh, I wake up every single day trying to figure out what way I can make my clients smile and happy. Um, as it's for buyers, you know, right now the market is crazy. A lot of folks are having to compete four to ten different offers on one property, whereas for me, you know, I do a lot of cold calling and door knocking, and my buyers nine times out of ten are in situations where they don't even have to compete with anybody because they're the only buyer that knows about the property because I've went out and tried to find one for them, just for them. Um, so I just love when I do find one, just seeing their smile and their sellers wants to put their house on the market and I show them, you know, what I'm capable of doing. And they say, hey, I don't want to lose this deal. And I promise them every time, I've never, ever lost a deal. I'm not going to start with yours. And they put their trust in me, and the outcome turns out the way that, you know, I told them it would. It's just, it's, it's just beneficial to me to see a smile every single day. And I wake up every day in real estate seeing that for my clients. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, in your uh, practice, are there any specific niches that you work in to where, like, this is uh, a part of town, a stage of life, something to where I, I enjoy working in this space? Does that matter for you? It doesn't. So my motto is anywhere there are people, they're in my niche. Um, if I can talk to a brick wall, I'll talk to it. You know, um, I can go to the grocery store and I can thrive there because I'm going to talk to folks throughout the grocery store. I can go to the movie theater. Even though it's a quiet space, I'm going to find a way to talk to somebody while I'm getting snacks. You know, I can go in my office and I can make 100 and 200 calls back to back. I can go to a subdivision and I can knock on 200 doors and I'm just happy doing it. And that's kind of my niche, just being different outside of the box. I don't do anything you know, the same way as another agent. I don't do anything twice the same day. Uh, every day is different for me, and I think my niche is really just connecting with people. Yeah, so, I mean, what, is a, what does a day in the life look like for you? I imagine uh, you're the first person uh, that, that's here this early to record this podcast. Yep. It seems like you're up and you're grinding. What does a normal day look like for you? So I get up every single day at uh, 5.15 to 5.30. We work out at 6.15. I'm done around 7.15. I go home. I take a nap until 7.45, I get up, shower, put my clothes on, and I start thinking. So I take about 45 minutes from that 8 o'clock, really 7.45 to 8.30 before I leave my house um, of just me time. And that's just thinking how I'm going to attack my day. How will I do something different than I did yesterday, today, to be great? And um, I get in my office. If it's a day where I'm going to go out in the public, I'll start with kind of scanning the market, see, seeing what's new out there on the market. And my thing that I kind of do very well at is I play other listings well. So a listing comes up, uh, I understand the business to a point where I know the listing agent is going to send out um, just listed cards. Here's the problem with that. It's going to take them three to five business days 
for the mailman to go out there and run it and deliver it. It's going to take me three to five hours to get out there and door knock the entire subdivision mm-hmm. and let them know that same information that you're going to tell them in the mail. But the only difference is they see my face and I give them a card and I smile. Yeah. That's the difference. Right. So um, if I'm a door knock, that's something that I'm going to do. If I'm going to make calls, I do go about it the same way. I scan the market and see other listings, and I call around those listings. If I have a listing from the day before that I called and I didn't finish, I'll finish up on that. Uh, days that I go to the grocery store, I try to time it up perfectly. Folks get off work around 4, 30, 5 o'clock. They're going to be in a grocery store maybe around 5, 36. So I try to make it to the grocery store around that time. If I go prior to it, I've come up with a new strategy where I just put magnets on people's cars. And it works because they come out and like, what the world? Why did you put a magnet on my car? See, I told an agent that I was doing that. And the first thing that they worry about is, oh, they're going to sue you. They're going to sue me for a magnet. For a magnet, yeah. That's not going to take paint off their car. And for, you know, even if they left it on their 10 days, a magnet is not going to take the paint off your car. So they worry about the wrong things versus doing out there, going out there and trying it and seeing it. I mean, if they do sue me, it's a magnet. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so small, I can get the paint fixed. I'm not worried about that little stuff. And the people who actually call me from it, they're not worried about the magnet messing up their car. They just want to know why I put it there. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, and they're like, okay, man, fine. It's creative. Thank you. Yeah. You're off and running at that point, right? The, yeah. the connections you're able to make from that are uh, it, it's, far worth, or far uh, more valuable than any potential paint that you may yes. have issue with. Yeah, hundred percent. I hear you. Uh, when you think back to, to just starting out, I mean, you had your real estate license for for twelve minutes. You had some clients that bought into you early on. Mm-hmm. You had sold, you know, zero house, very few houses. What uh, what's that like? I mean, you have any of those memorable stories? Something that stands out from some of those early buyers and sellers as you were going through that process? Yeah, uh, my first sale was actually in Oxford, uh, one of the coaches, and we talk to this day, uh, but one of the coaches was buying a house and he gave me a shot. Yeah. And I didn't know much, so I brought in another agent to kind of guide me through it. Uh, but I learned some things, good and bad, through that. Um, and it kind of shaped me to be the agent that I am. Taught me, A, how to deal with people of that statue and what they expect, and at that point, I just treated everybody the same. I knew, hey, they want everything done on a timely manner. This is a coach. Yeah. He don't have time to be late. He don't have time to miss days. And I understood that. So every time I talk to a client, I let them know, hey, I'm a new agent, yes, but I'm working harder than any, any other agent in the market. What can you count on from me is I'm going to answer my phone. I'm not as busy as others. I'm going to answer my phone every time it rings. I'm going to be there for you to answer every single question. And now that I'm so busy, I still stand on those same principles. Mm-hmm. I, every time my phone rings, I answer it. I return every single call, every single text. And I think that's what clients like the most about me is I'm dependable. Mm-hmm. I'm there when you need me. If I say I'm going to do something, by God, I'm going to get it done. Yeah, that's awesome. And Oxford, I mean, it, it's a big little town at that point. You get someone as influ- oh, yeah. influential as a coach, though. I mean, that could go south for you pretty quick to where now, hey, you guys give Q a little while before you let it. But Correct. it went well, it sounded like. It went like. well. Yes, it did. And he was happy. And that's all that mattered to me. Like I said, I, I'm all about seeing my clients happy and smiling. If it's something that's upsetting to them, it's upsetting to me. And I try to get it fixed and changed immediately. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so when you're working with buyers, um, you have any, any tips, any words of wisdom that you try to impart on them as they're beginning the home buying process? Right. So I think the first thing is very important to sit the buyer down and kind of explain to them exactly what type of market we're in. Most agents, the first thing they want to do is get out there and show a buyer a house. And those agents are the agents who are spending money on Zillow, 
or a realtor, all these different sites, whereas that's what they have to do to compete for their business. But what they're doing is they're sending a buyer out there unprepared. Um, so the first thing that I do, I sit my buyers down and I kind of go over what's going on in the market. I go over what they should expect, what they shouldn't expect. Uh, price point, if you approve up to 200, there's no need for us to look at 200. We need to be looking at 180 because in today's market, it's so competitive. If you only approve the max 200 and you're only offering 200, you're going to lose 10 out of 10 bids. Mm-hmm. So uh, them understanding that versus, oh, I'm approved for 200. Let's go see this house for 200. And you've never explained to them why we shouldn't go see this house as 200, and now they're wondering. So um, I think A, taking that step back and spending that time with that client inside the office first, building that relationship, because that's all it does is builds a solid bond to where if you don't send them one house, they're going to still work with you. Yeah. Uh, well, I think everything you said there, that preparation ahead of time, Correct. Uh, sitting down as you start your day and kind of reviewing, all right, here's what I did yesterday. Here's how I'm going to be better today. It's all athlete's mindset, right? You're watching the game film and, and trying to figure out how, how can I get better Yes, every single day. That's and good. my competition isn't the next agent, uh, the next brokerage. My competition every day is me. Yeah. How can I be better than me? Because I understand if I'm better than myself every single day, I'll be the best in the world eventually. No, that's good. Um, do you have uh, any strategies that, uh, as you're implementing those with your buyers, um, anything that's different from your first-time home buyers to your experienced home buyers? I would imagine that's a different conversation you're having, right? It really is because experienced home buyers they understand, you know, kind of the market. When you say, "Hey, we're in a seller's market," a first-time home buyer, you say that, and they're like, "What does that mean? I want the house for ten thousand dollars less." Mm-hmm. And but an experienced buyer understands, hey. Uh, Seller's market means, hey, we're probably going to have to pay our own closing costs. So conversation is it, definitely different. Uh, you have to be more patient with a first-time home buyer. You have to be more explaining um, things on the front end. Um, someone who's experienced, you can kind of go off the limb and say, hey, w- this is what we're doing, and they'll understand it. Versus first-time home buyer, hey, this is what we're doing, and they're like, um, uh, why we're doing it that way sure you know so just taking the time out and being more patient with a first-time home buyer than an experienced buyer i think that's the most important thing well i feel like those uh those intro meetings that you're having in person before there's even a house on the table investing in that relationship so that uh they can trust your counsel at that point you're not just a a house salesperson you you're investing in those relationships and that's what it's about relationships over transactions yeah that's so good man that's so good um, we all know that uh, buying or selling a home, it, it can be an emotional roller coaster. A lot of times, this is the biggest purchase that people mm-hmm. are making. Um, there are wins and losses on the daily as you're going through it to where, yeah. uh, you know, I had 15 other people put an offer in on this house. Someone just may have a better one than me. Uh, and that can really be uh, discouraging. It can be uplifting. How do you manage that emotional roller coaster your clients are on as you're going through the process? Just like sports. Okay. You control what you can control. We submit an offer. We put our best foot forward. We can't control what, A, the next buyer is going to offer, and, B, what the seller is looking for in terms. So what we can do only is educate my buyer on what's kind of typical in the market and try to mimic it. And if we can do a little something extra, we can. And if our extra isn't good enough, then, by God, we don't need this house. Another house is going to come up. But I think what we get into is uh, agents try to overdo it for their buyers and overstretch their buyers. Mm-hmm. So really just explaining to them at the end of the day, it's not our decision once we put an offer in on if it's accepted, rejected, or countered. All we can do is put our best foot forward 
and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, at that point, it's in God's hands, right? That's well, just it. it's going to happen, right? So, yep. Um, what about sellers, though? Kind of transitioning there. Um, are, are there any mistakes that you just consistently sellers see sellers making that's um, hurting their ability to get top dollar or anything like that? <laughs> Jokingly, I say not choosing me as their agent. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but now, seriously, um, things that I see when I go into listings, uh, you know, they don't. Let, you know, do the landscaping. Uh, folks aren't painting. You know, they think their old dingy paint is going to sell a house because we was in the seller's market. Of course, yeah, it, it will sell. But I think someone who's willing to pay 175 would probably pay 178 if the house was fully painted and pretty and ready to go or the landscaping was done. Uh, decluttering. I think a lot of um, sellers right now, they're doing a bad job of getting things out of the way for buyers to come in and walk freely. Um, time after closing a lot of sellers you know they need more time after closing which is for me i tell my buyers all the time that's a perk give a seller two days if you have somebody somewhere to stay for 48 hours to be out that only strictness i'll offer uh but for sellers kind of taking advantage of that and need more time than 48 hours is kind of something i think they're doing wrong in my eyes Mm -hmm. um because if you're prepared for a closing and your agent has vetted and talked to the other agent and in communication with the lender um, on a daily basis, uh, they should know exactly how the transaction is going and if it's going to fall through or not. So you should start packing, yeah. you know, versus waiting until the day of closing to start packing. So sure. uh, those are little small things that I see. You know, I don't want to be a critiquer because I'm really not uh, that type of person, but if we can start getting folks to paint walls and yeah. do something to the landscape, and I think overall we'll have a better market. So if you've got someone that is wanting to list with you, I mean, are you going to go over to the house and give them some suggestions? Look, as far as bang for your buck, you want to invest money in this, this, and this because it's yes. going to help me sell your house. Yes, I give uh, what I think they should do. But at the end of the day, we know that's a seller's mm-hmm. home. They sure. can pick and choose what they want to do. Uh, but when I go on a listing, what I'm looking for, a you know, a lot of folks are surprised. I don't even have a listing presentation. Hmm. I don't have one page, zero. I take one sheet of paper with me when I go, and that's comps. Okay. That's it. So what I'm doing in there is, A, trying to get to know the seller, looking around for the house, getting a feel for the house, getting a feel for the area, getting a feel of their wants and needs. Um, and at that time, I can form a better, say, hey, this is what we should price it at. Here's the comps to support it. By the way, let's try it. If we want to get this price, let's try to do X, Y, Z before it's time to put it on the market. Uh, those are the kind of the steps that I take. Sure. No, I think that's great. Uh, at what point does someone that's considering buying or selling their home, when do they need to reach out to you? Like, what, what's the timeline so that they're not wasting your time too early, but you don't want to miss out on something to kind of help them make some decisions, right? Yeah. The time to contact me um, is now. You know, there's no such thing for me as too early. Um, I want to build that relationship. Just because you're not ready to buy a house, um, in 30 days, that's fine with me. I want to get to know you. I want to get to know your family. I want to show you that I'm here to work for you. And in that meantime, if you have any questions, any concerns, you call me and you ask me. I'm there for you as if you've bought 10 houses for me. As far as a seller, the best time to call is now simply because I need to get my eyes on the property. I need to know exactly what I'm working with to be able to say, hey, I can sell it for this. And selling it for this now is different from selling it from this in 30 days. So if I can see the property, I know what kind of condition and then I can kind of update you daily on what's going on in the market. And then you can decide then when you want to list the property. So 
just because we meet today doesn't mean we have to do business. Sure. Uh, but I would definitely love to meet as soon as you're ever thinking about it. Sure. Uh, let's let's shift gears a little bit. I mean, what do you like to do when you're not buying real estate, selling real estate? What does that look like? Man, I'm a huge Fortnite guy. Okay. Um, Gamer. I like, I like to kind of end my day with some Fortnite or some sort. Right now, I'm currently, you know, watching TV shows as well. Um, you know, the Game of Thrones, I'm rewatching that. Okay. Uh, the 100, which is awesome. You guys should definitely check out the 100. Well, I don't know that one. What is the 100? Man, it's, it's probably the best show that has ever been made. Okay. Um, so they thought the world was kind of dead and ending. So they, they was living in space for over 100 years. Okay. They sent 100 kids down because on space, uh, they was kind of like prisoners. Mm. Uh, they was locked up. And so they was like, hey, we have to minimize the space in space. So what we're going to do is we're going to send these 100 fugitives down to the ground to see if it's survivable, basically to their death. Mm. So they sent them down, and the ground is actually survivable. But they think that they're the only folks alive on the ground. Well, there's people living there. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Great people living there. Yeah. Some warriors. And, you know, they go to battle. Man, it, it's, it, it's an awesome show. That, you know, I feel just, like I said, I feel like everyone should at least try to watch it. Is this Netflix, uh, Hulu? Where it's on Netflix. Okay. Um, they're in season eight now. So, you know, you have seven seasons on Netflix to kind of get through. Sure. And I can promise you, you won't regret it. Okay. That's interesting. I've got that uh, on the list. You say you're a gamer. Okay. I got you a uh, handful of tokens and send you into the arcade. What, what game are we going to? Papa Shot, baby. Papa Shot. Give me that basketball and let me <laughs> let, let me try to win some tickets. That's about it. <laughs> uh, and, and it's just because that's the only game I feel like I can compete with somebody sure. in. Um, and it's just fun for me. Yeah, you don't get to show any athletic prowess at uh, Pac-Man or anything no, like that. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, do, you, uh, do you ever have any interesting uh, previous jobs or side hustles before you got here? No. Uh, so my first job was actually KPMG out of college. My parents didn't allow me to work when I was in high school and junior high and college. They wanted me to focus on school and sports. Uh, like I said, I was the first one in my family to go to college, graduate college. Um, so, you know, it was it was important for us not to worry about working and to focus on school so I can accomplish that. And my first job was, like I said, KPMG. But a hustle that I had, man, back in fifth grade. Okay. <laughs> we used to get boxes of, like, chips and beef jerky. Okay. Uh, we had a connection there. And so when the free, Frito truck used to come by, our friend used to give us, you know, a little box probably once a month. So it had probably about mm, 150 beef jerky. <laughs> Me and my brother, we, we didn't really eat beef jerky. So what I would do is I would take probably about five to eight of them to school every day, and I would sell them for $6. How about this? great. How about yeah, that? Yeah, so I was selling beef jerky bass for $6. And my pitch to him was this. The snack cart doesn't have beef jerky. Yeah. Walmart, the beef jerky is $3.50. But we're not at Walmart today, are we? Yeah. We're at school. How about that? So the kids used to always bring their $6, and they used to check with me before they even went to the snack cart to buy the beef jerky. Uh, and that was kind of my side hustle in, in, in fifth grade. <laughs> in fifth grade, already hustling. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Uh, no surprise that you've had the success you have when we look at that uh, as our background. Um, what's, uh, what's your go-to breakfast item? Normally, um, cereal. I eat uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, or I do a protein shake, strawberries, bananas, peanut butter, and uh, milk with, you know, of course, the protein powder. Uh, But normally, it's cereal because it's something quick. Like I said, I have that 45-minute window where it's just time. 
for me and I'm thinking and I don't have time to be trying to worry about cooking and fixing and doing all the other stuff. So it's simple. I know exactly what I'm going to eat in the mornings. Either it's going to be a shake or it's going to be cereal and it's going to take me five minutes to eat it or make the shake and get out the door. Sure. Well, what's, uh, what's that go-to comfort food for you then, all right? Uh, Man, um, I love chips. I think uh, I have a problem with eating chips. In my household, <laughs> we can't buy chips anymore for the house because I eat them so fast. And wings. Man, I love chicken wings. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I don't eat pork, beef, or bread. Um, so the only thing I'm left with is chicken and fish. And, man, if I can get some wings, I'm very, very happy with some chips. Where's, uh, where's your go-to wing spot in town? Uh, I really don't have one in town. I drive all the way home just to get chicken wings. How about uh, in that? In Senatobia. Yep, I go. I go to um, at CJ's, really hotwings.com. That's where I go to get my wings. And here, though, if I order, I probably order it from. Um, it used to be, I think, Wing King, but they just closed down, and it's, it's a crumpish there. Yeah. Um, so that's where I go to kind of get my wings now. Sure. Yep. Okay, you got that spot. Um, what's uh, what's your favorite sporting event you've ever attended? Uh, for me, it was probably Saints Pittsburgh game in New Orleans. Um, I have a buddy, Mike Hilton, that plays with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And me and my brother, we went down, because I'm a Saints fan, so we went to the Dome <laughs> to watch him play. And it was just very exciting because, A, it was a very, very close game. But anyone who knows me knows how big of a Saints fan I am. And my dad is actually a diehard Pittsburgh fan. So it was just more exciting to be there and to witness my Saints beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in person, sure. watch my uh, friend play. But also get back at my dad and say, hi, I told you so. You there know? you go. So it, it was incredible. That's a blast. Uh, what's one thing that uh, you dislike that everybody else seems to like? What's that overrated thing to you? Buying leads. Okay. Um, I, I hate it. And, and I don't believe in it. And I don't. And a lot of agents think that's the only way to survive in this business. Hear me, hear me clear. I spend zero dollars on leads. Hmm. I sell more houses than anybody in Mississippi. Yeah. Why is that? It's because I'm willing to work. That's the difference. It's not about leads. It's not about spending money. It's about putting that time and effort into it, going the extra mile, going until you feel like, hey, I've had enough today. I'm going I'm to go 50 more times just to make sure I've had enough today. And, you know, for me, it's getting four points a day. Yeah, yep. that's so good, man. So good. Uh, if someone wants to uh, wants to put you to work for them, right, to discuss buying or selling their home, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? The best way to get in contact with me is either calling me directly on my cell phone at 662-292-7136 or calling my office with REMAX Experts, 901-685-6000, or just visiting me on Facebook, Quintavious Burdett, and you'll find my personal page, which you also see uh, my business page, it'll be, it'll be Quintavious Burdett, Realtor, Remax Experts. That is probably the best three ways to get in contact with me. Like I said, every time my phone rings, I answer it. Every time a text comes through, I text back. No, uh, and I think uh, you'll definitely get some calls, man. I, I appreciate you taking time and being on the show. Uh, it is just a blast, man, and I appreciate you. Man, I appreciate you for having me. You're doing great things. I appreciate you. Thank you. And that does it for our show today. If you need to reach me, you can email me at dwilliams at shoemakerins.com or by searching my name, Dane Williams, on Facebook or Instagram. If you liked what you heard and you want to stay up to date on the newest episodes, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you really liked it, you could leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you so much for listening today, and I can't wait to catch up with you on the next episode of Key Exchanges in the 901.